0: It's an enormous responsibility to bring another animal into your home. If it works, the lessons or the positive lessons for the kids and for the family, of course, are enormous and they can be very long lasting.
1: Some people just see Cyril as a pet. To us, he's more than a pet. He's our family. He's my hero.
2: Hey everyone, Lynn Smith here, and welcome to another episode of Stroller Coaster, the podcast that takes you on the wild ride of parenting that we're all on together, created by Munchkin, the most loved baby brand in the world. Today's episode is all about pets. This is actually a really special episode for Munchkin and us because they are so passionate about animal welfare. And it is seen in the work that they do with organizations like IFAW, the International Fund for Animal Welfare, and so many others. Animal protection is really important to Munchkin's founder, Steve Dunn. He actually covers the adoption fees when an employee of Munchkin rescues a dog or cat. It makes sense that Steve, Himself has a rescue dog of his own, Margot, <laughs> a gorgeous blue eyed English bulldog. But on this episode, I'm going to talk with professor and ethologist Mark Beckoff about how important it is for our kids to connect with animals and our natural world. And then we're going to hear an incredibly emotional story of a dog named Cyril who changed the lives of a family. And be sure to stick around because later on, as always, there's a chance for you to win something for your pet, though, this time. All right, how many of you parents out there have heard this? Please, can we get a dog? I want a dog. When are we going to get a dog? You know, you're home, Justin, and, and you're lucky enough that you've had one even before you had children. So I can get some advice from you on this because I have not stopped hearing this and we are so close. I am ready to get one. I'm a little bit nervous about the timing, so I'd love some advice with little ones when you're navigating schedules and all of that.
3: I mean, the dog, we so we had the dog first and then had kids, um, like a classic uh, uh, fur baby, as they say. Um, <laughs> we were like, we're good with dogs. Let's have kids. Very different, <laughs> in fact. Uh, but um, the dog has been, like, his role changes. A pet's role changes, I think, a lot once you have kids because they become less of the central focus. But now our dog is named Pip. Um, uh, he's a <laughs> mini Australian Shepherd. Very cute. He becomes sort of the mirror to, like, what crazy things we're doing with our kids we're like Pip what do you (laughs) think and he looks like this is so much and we're like Pip's right Pip is the one who understands how wild it is to be a parent
2: what about the girls what does it do for them
3: I mean he's so good with them so it's like a great just mutual I mean he needs a break after a while but um he looks at us every time he the kids are hugging Pip he looks at us like you see what I'm doing here He knows. He thinks he's a human. So he knows he's being a good dog parent as well.
2: I feel like I need a pip in my life. Um, My husband grew up with dogs. Chief and Angus, who my boys still always talk about and i need to get them their chief or angus and here's here's the thing we know that there are emotional benefits for children when it comes to this and my oldest son is kind of a big feeling big emotion big reaction type kiddo and so every mm-hmm. time i have another parent sort of see some of that in action they say have you thought about getting a dog it's almost like a therapy like a a soothing um, friend that they can have with them and so I think that's really sort of what put me over the edge I don't care how much work it is if you're helping my kiddo then we're in
3: and plus as a parent you get that 10 minute dog walk break it's essential
2: <laughs> it's great like, take a breath uh, I gotta go walk the dog and then I'm gonna be gone for about two hours as I scroll what? Instagram yeah, Exactly. where have you been <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking the dog What this comes down to is we all love the idea of having a pet, but we want to know how important is it to have a pet in your child's life? It is a lot of work, let's be honest. We're going to do our best to answer that question, and our first guest is going to help us get to the bottom of it. Mark Bekoff is an ethologist and professor emeritus of ecology and evolutionary biology at the University of Colorado Boulder. He's also an ambassador for Jane Goodall's Roots and Shoots program and an expert on the internal emotional lives of animals. Mark, thank you so much for being here.
0: My pleasure. Thank you very much
2: an ethologist that is your title. It was the first for me that I had heard that. What, it, what is the definition of ethologist?
0: Well, an ethologist would be a biologist, which I am, um, who studies animal behavior and asks questions about evolution. And what that really means is why do certain animals do certain things and why have their behavior patterns um, survived over millennia, some of them.
2: And what are some of the animals that you've studied? What have you learned about their emotions?
0: Oh, I've studied free-ranging dogs for decades. I studied penguins in Antarctica. I've done long-term field work on coyotes living in the Grand Teton National Park. I've done some work with wolves and foxes and birds. And what I've learned, of course, is that these animals, we call them sentient beings. They're feeling beings, and they display a wide array of emotions. And from my point of view, the question isn't, do animals have emotions, but why have they evolved or what are they good for?
2: And I think a lot of people feel they are good for that love in their homes. The emotional connection that you have with your dog is like a family member and, or a cat. How can we as parents instill a love of animals in our children?
0: Well, you know, there's a lot of theories out there that kids are innately empathic. You know, they're curious naturalists and that schools really tend to dull that curiosity. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn and I had a goldfish and I used to talk to the goldfish and I used to talk to all the animals in my neighborhood. My parents never thought I was dumb. They never said, you're crazy. The animals don't understand you. So I really felt that support. And I felt that it really led to the career I've had. When I grew up on the corner of Flatbush Avenue and Albemarle Road in Brooklyn, I would talk to the dogs and the cats and the squirrels and the birds and the ants. And I don't think parents realize how sensitive kids can be to this kind of exposure. So parental support, teacher support are really instrumental for getting kids attached to nature And overcoming the alienation that we're experiencing today. And I think it's really interesting that a lot of people who I know who study animals and have spent their life studying animals did not grow up on farms or in the country. So it's this innate attachment that kids have to nature that needs to be tapped into and they need to get into the animals' heads and hearts.
2: How do you describe the importance of a pet being in a family, a part of a family?
0: Well, for me, if you're going to live with a pet or a companion animal, it's got to be a two-way relationship, a reciprocal relationship. It's got to work for both the non-human and the human. It's pretty easy to do when people learn about the particular animals, so I write mostly about dogs. I love cats, but I'm allergic to, it seems like, 99% of the cats I meet. The way I look at it is that because of what we call shared emotions, their happiness, our happiness, their sadness, our sadness, because we share these emotions, we form and maintain very close bonds with them.
2: And you talk about how important it is to observe your pets, get to know them, and even become fluent in dog. How do we learn how to speak dog?
0: Well, watching them is a good way. As an ethologist, we spend a lot of time watching them. What I mean is engaging what I call citizen science, which a lot of people do at dog parks, is watching them carefully, watching what they do to other dogs, watch what other dogs do to them, and watch them develop these relationships.
2: And what do you think about the influence of that on our kids, especially as they're growing
0: up? It's hugely positive. Um, kids are, they're, I like to call them curious naturalists. They Most of them love other animals. They love out, being outside in nature. And I know that there are some who don't, but that's okay, um, You know, for the ones who do, they really learn about the importance of respecting and honoring the lives of other individuals. And they also just feel really connected to them. When I go to dog parks and there's families there with kids, I'm as intrigued by the kids as I am by the dogs. Kids are running around going, oh, did you see that? Oh, my goodness gracious. I can't believe that dog did that. And, you know, it's
2: not always that you're bringing a pet into an existing family. A lot of times you have your pet and you're bringing a new baby home. And that can create the same kind of sibling rivalry, you say, with the dog and the baby. How do you introduce the two of them? What are some tips?
0: I would explain to the dog, and it sounds funny to say, you know, look, you know, we're bringing another, <laughs> another animal into the house, if you will, And be sure that the dog still can be the dog who she or he was, and be sure that they get the attention they need. And then weave, if you will, the young kid into those interactions. And and I've seen it work really well. I mean, I I hear I hear stories about, oh my goodness, you know, I just had a baby and The baby's taking all my time and the dog feels neglected. And I can fully understand that. But I always say, well, we'll bring the dog into the room. You know, dogs are olfactory creatures. Their noses work really well. So, you know, if you're changing a diaper, you may not like it, but the dog wouldn't find it offensive at all. But really the important part of that is that the dog feels part of the scenario and doesn't feel... Rejected. And, and I think that is very important to recognize that dogs get accustomed to certain patterns of behavior and they really need them to continue, even in the presence of a child or another dog or a new cat.
2: We hear it all the time in our house. And I know every parent in the pandemic has heard it for two years straight. Can we get a dog? Can we get a pet? Can we get a lizard? Can we get... They want an animal in the home. What advice do you have for parents that want to bring a kid-friendly pet into the home and some maybe things to be cautious of?
0: One of the first things I say is that it's an enormous responsibility to bring another animal into your home. It's like having a baby. Um, So be sure that you're ready for a life-changing experience. But if you are, and you can talk to your kids about it, it's a great way for them to to develop respect for other animals, um, empathy for them, uh, for being open and forming emotional uh, connections, and, and responsibility. And I think that if it works, the lessons, the, or the positive lessons for the kids and for the family, of course, um, are enormous and they can be very long lasting.
2: Mark, such incredible information. Thank you so much for being with us.
0: My pleasure. Thank you very much.
2: You know, something that Mark points out that's really important, Justin, is if we don't get our children invested and in love with nature and animals, we, I mean, this is the future. We have to do this in order to, to move in a positive direction when it comes to what's going on in this planet.
3: Yeah, and I love, I agree with you completely. And I love that it's just like, let's look at some squirrels. They're right there. Uh, We don't have to go on to, you know, fly to Banff. We can just look (laughs) at the animals that are around us.
2: I have to tell you, it works. My children are so connected to animals where they'll see a bird and they'll have a conversation with the bird or they'll see a squirrel. And it's something that we've done from a very young age. And my husband has is like the ultimate animal lover, and especially dogs. And so to see him instill that in the boys too, it's inspired me. It wasn't something I grew up with really to to always we didn't have a family dog. We're definitely going to in our family but it's really beautiful to see how much it impacts children
3: uh, that sounds talking to birds that sounds positively it, Disney-esque it, it was like, Lynn it's,
2: I was going to say it I is I imagine
3: them the making a thing. dress for you to wear <laughs> to the podcasting ball
2: You know, Justin, Mark talked a lot about the benefits of bringing a pet into your family, and that's such a great idea. But there are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to what type of pet. I mean, I know I've been thinking about getting a dog, Mm. and I did a lot of research. I wanted to bring some of that information to our listeners because I came across this really interesting article, and it addressed some of my own personal concerns, so I know that other parents out there have to have them as well. And it's about adopting a shelter animal. You know, like some people may assume that dogs and cats at shelters are there because there are behavioral issues and that's not something you want to bring into your home. But the truth of this is often it's just not the case at all. Many of these shelter pets have already been house trained. They know basic commands like sit and stay. And also rescue organizations and shelter staff can tell you about the pet's disposition and their behavior. They've gotten to know them for you. So if it's easier to find a cat or dog that fits your family, Just go to the staff and they will give you the background. Also, an animal's current behavior is much more important than their history. If you go to the shelter itself, you're going to see how much love these cats and dogs have to give. So many shelters also, they have the pets microchipped, spayed, neutered. So all that's left for you to do is welcome these pets into your family, love on them as one of your own, and just enjoy having a furry friend in your house.
3: There's a lot of great pets out there.
2: All right, everyone. If you're wondering just how much a pet can affect a family's life, you will not believe this emotional story. Joe Simmons has a son named Ben who struggled his whole life coping with the sights and sounds of the outside world. And then something amazing happened. Here's our correspondent, Fleece with the parenting story of the day.
4: Jo Simmons and her husband, Neil, are a British couple in the town of Watford, England.
1: I'm going to tell you about our son, Benjamin. I had a difficult pregnancy. Ben was born. We had a gorgeous baby boy. First of all, we thought Ben was deaf, and then we started looking into things, and it was actually my mum turned around and said, I really think you need to have Ben looked at a specialist. Ben was two and a half at that time. Ben wasn't making any sound, no mum, dad, anything. It was just very quiet and in his own little world. So we uh, went to a paediatrician, took Ben with us, and then the doctor turned around and said, yes, I can confirm Ben has autism.
4: A diagnosis of autism can mean many things, but Ben's doctor painted a challenging picture for Joe
1: when we got the diagnosis from the doctor and he said your son is severely autistic we wondered what this was going to mean and the doctor turned around and said he'll say yes he'll say no he'll say i want that was the doctor told us going to be our life with ben all the dreams all the hopes we had for ben mine you know he's he's gonna go to school he's gonna friends um, and he'll Find a person, he'll get married, or will become a grandma, he'll have his house, he'll have an amazing job. Daddy's visions were he'll play for Watford in for football. All that had gone. All we were going to be faced with was yes and no. We came away from there and obviously our life was about to change. Their lives did change.
4: As Ben grew older, his autism created
1: a bunch of obstacles to their day-to-day routine. We couldn't go out. We couldn't go out as a family. We couldn't go to a shop. If we went to a shop, it could be the sign of the shop that frightened Ben. The smell of walking past the meat counter, a fish counter. Someone just walking past with the wrong clothes or the wrong perfume or aftershave on. Ben couldn't cope. Ben would go into a complete meltdown or would run away. One incident when we were at a supermarket. uh, Got out of the car, had hold of Ben, just turned To shut the door of the car, Ben slipped my hand. The car was coming towards him. Luckily, the car didn't hit him. I managed to grab him in time. And what had frightened him was the sign of the supermarket. It just frightened him. He didn't like it. So we became prisoners in our own home. We couldn't go out. If we went out, we get the stares. We get the comments. Oh, your child is naughty. He's not. He's a lovely little boy that's just trying to cope. Ben can't cope with anybody touching his head. So to get a haircut for Ben took us just over 12 years from where he would now sit and let the hairdresser do it. She has to be quick. Sometimes the hair doesn't come out level, but if I used to take him to a hairdresser, I had to basically hold him down and that wasn't right for him. One incident we had, we were just walking down the road. Ben spotted the hairdresser sign. He ran. He was frightened.
4: As the Simmons family negotiated their new routine, help would arrive from an unexpected source, Dogs for Good, an organization that brings trained dogs and people together to help them overcome specific challenges in order to enrich
1: and improve the lives of both. Ben went to a special needs school, and one of my friends turned around to me and said, "Joe, have you heard of Dogs for Good? And I said, no. So she told me about this amazing charity that is helping families with autistic children for a dog, a companion, someone that your child can trust and the dog can help. So I gave dogs for good a call and said, I think you might be able to help me. They were very good. We had a long discussion of Ben's needs and what we were hoping for Ben. Came home and said to Neil, this can really help us. This This can be the way we can get our family. We can function as a family again. So I filled in all the paperwork. And I had to go on a waiting list because, as you can imagine, the dogs are in high demand.
4: Jo waited patiently for her match, anticipating
1: how much having a dog could help Ben. So I got a phone call from Dogs for Good saying, Hi, Jo, we've got a match for Ben. That phone call we got from Kelly from Dogs for Good, I screamed down the phone, thinking... Wow, this is really going to help us. So I just said to Kelly, I said, Kelly, on the off chance, what, what kind of dog have we got? And she went, you've got a Labrador. I said, what's his name? She went, Cyril.
4: Joe went and met Cyril and trained with him until finally it was time to bring him home.
1: So I walked in the house. Ben was at school. Kate brought Cyril in the house and let him just wander around the house. And then it was time for me to go and get Ben. So I went to school. Cyril stayed at home with Neil. Brought Ben in from school because he knew Mummy was coming home with a dog. Ben, his usual routine, come in, coat's off and go straight to his playroom. Didn't want to interact. Without any command or any notice from me, Cyril gets up, walks into the playroom. And the very first picture we have of Ben and Cyril is Cyril's just laid beside Ben. It's as though Cyril knew his job was to be with Ben. And Ben was happy with Cyril just there beside him.
4: Once Cyril became a part of their family, their day-to-day lives improved
1: immediately. Getting Ben out was, was this massive achievement in itself. When we're walking down the road, Cyril has his jacket on. Ben is attached to a harness, which will go round his waist, and is attached to Cyril. And then I have a lead connected to Cyril. So if we're walking down the road and Ben sees something he doesn't like, or something frightens him, where Ben would literally run, I will give Cyril a command and Cyril will just weight himself down on the ground. Ben cannot move. you cannot move Cyril. he has put his full weight down and he knows he's got to keep there. This keeps Ben safe. This is so important. instead of Ben running away, Cyril has got has got him attached to him and another thing Cyril does is a headdress. So, if we are a doctor's, dentist, hospital, and Ben is getting very uh, anxious, getting very scared that people are now going to touch his head and everything, I will say to Cyril, hey, uh, rest. Cyril comes and puts his head on Ben's lap just to calm him down. Just that interaction between Cyril and Ben, with just a simple head on his lap and, Cyril and Ben stroking Cyril, is calming. It's calming for Ben. So again, there's that bond between Cyril and Ben. That bond between
4: Cyril and Ben continued to grow. And Ben was able to do things that the family had
1: only dreamed of before Dogs for Good. Now with Cyril, we go out as a family, which is something we wouldn't do. Now we go to a restaurant. Cyril is laid underneath the table. If I need Cyril to do a headrest to Ben, because Ben has got very anxious about anything, Cyril's there. He's right beside us. We go to the cinema. Cyril comes. We had to go to a wedding. Again, this something I couldn't have done. Imagine being in a, a strange place with over 100 people and 100 different faces and, and all, all what's going on for a wedding. Cyril attended in his bow tie. We have some lovely pictures of us all standing together at the wedding with Cyril. Cyril has brought so much to us. He's given us our life back. I wish you could see it. I wish you could see us walking down the road. We couldn't do that before. We're a family again. While Cyril
4: had a palpable effect on Ben's life, he also changed Joe's life in huge ways.
1: When you're a parent with a child with special needs and you get all them looks and you get them comments, that's really hurtful. And all you're doing is trying your best for your son, your child. I say, Cyril is Ben's dog. And um, a few years ago, my mum got diagnosed with cancer and I went to where my mum and dad were living because my dad is disabled to help my mum in her last two weeks of life and um, mum sadly passed and I stayed with dad and arranging mum's funeral. I came home to Neil and Ben and I just sat down and I burst into tears. Cyril picked up on this. He came over to me and done me a headrest. He came to give me the reassurance that everything was going to be okay. So even though he's Ben's dog, he was there for me that day. He, he helped me. Hearing Joe's story, you just
4: can't put a value on the joy that Cyril has brought to the life of her family.
1: Us having Cyril has kept my family together. We do have up and down days, but it's called being a parent, isn't it? And, you know, things are going to be sent to try us, but our strong bond as a family and having Cyril beside us, we, sh- we can get through the day. Some people just see Cyril as a pet. To us, he's more than a pet. He's our family. He's my hero. He really is. I love him so much.
2: Justin, I know both of you actually warned me. You warned me that you were in tears. So I went in prepared, still had the tears flowing. It was so amazing to hear how this little boy's life was changed, but also the relief in this mother's voice that she finally gave him something that could bring him this kind of joy and freedom.
3: When we were putting this together, I talked to Joe ahead of time, Mm. And the amount of crying I did on this Zoom call, it was, it was unbelievable how just affecting and affected I was by it. The moment in the story when the dog, when Cyril lays his head on her lap, I couldn't believe. My wife looked over at me and was like, what are you doing over there? I was like, just hearing a fantastic story.
2: What was it when you were talking to Joe that moved you so much that just had you really feeling everything?
3: I think the thing that makes me cry the most is when people try really hard and they were just, she's tried so hard to Mm -hmm. find a way to make Ben's life easier. And the fact that it just sort of dropped in her lap um, with Cyril and everything got better all at once. Just opens up the floodgates for me. I truly had to rehydrate after that interview.
2: (laughs) It was the one thing, like when I said, I heard the relief in her voice. We feel so helpless when you see your children struggling. The relief in her voice was palpable, and you really captured that in that story. Ah, you know how excited I get for stroller mail. Let's bust open the mailbag. Our chance to hear from all of you out there. These are your stories, your questions, your latest parenting disaster that I love to live through with you. Whatever's on your (laughs) mind. We love to know what's going on with real parents. And Justin Wright, to feel like we're not alone. That's the Uh, way it's like for me. It's great
3: to hear it. Makes me feel better every time.
2: (laughs) This is from Becca B. She says, bedtime in my house is Chaos. Even if my two kids are playing calmly beforehand, the second I say, it's time for bed, All hell breaks loose. Wrestling matches, sudden snack attacks, rejected pajamas, demands for full musical numbers. It's intense. Do you have any tips to help me for a smoother bedtime? I would love some musical numbers as well, Justin, just throwing that out there.
3: Yeah, you know, I can dial you (laughs) up. Um, It's funny you say that, actually, because my wife sings to uh, our daughters. And then when I put them to bed, uh, my younger daughter will sometimes be like, "Uh, Dada, you don't have to sing. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I could Uh, She's like, you need to work on the lyrics here. She'll drag it out by- What are these notes?
2: Get out of here. (laughs) She'll drag it out by making you bring your wife back. But Becca, I wish I had the answer for this because girl, I am in the same boat as you. Here's the piece of advice that someone else gave me that I have yet to put to practice. So this was a good reminder that I need to try is instead of saying it's time for bed, say- Five minutes, I'm setting the timer on mm. my Alexa or my, my phone or whatever. Five minutes, when it goes off, we're going to go upstairs. So get all of your energy out right now. And I'm like, brilliant. But then why don't I ever remember every single bedtime? It's the same. Complete chaos. Becca, we're with you.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing that's been working with my kids lately is uh, very simple just back scratching. They're, they're like scratch and now we have the routine of like scratch my back. and there's something calming for everyone about that that gets them physically calm and then they can sort of drift off.
2: Okay, I want to go to bedtime in your house. It's like musical yeah. numbers, back scratching. Mine <laughs> I, I <can't> is like.
3: <laughs> I can't emphasize enough how bad a singer I am. That it truly it wakes. I'm more of a wake up singing kind of situation.
2: At the Smith household, it's face scratching and screaming. So I'm glad that, that to visualize something a little bit more pleasant. <laughs> In honor of today's episode, the first 10 people to visit Munchkin on Instagram and leave hashtag Margo in the comment section of one of their recent posts will get something special for their pet. That's the show for today. Thank you so much, as always, for taking this wild ride with us. Hopefully, it brought you not only just great information, but some good laughs. We all need it. And thanks to our guests, Mark Beckoff and Joe Simmons. And as always, I want to thank you for listening. This is why we do this. This is a community. So we love, if you're listening and enjoy it, share the show with a friend or a parent who also could benefit from this great little community that we've built. Actually, built by Munchkin. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. World. And you can find all your favorite munchkin products at munchkin.com. At Stroller Coaster, we're all about community. So if you have a story that you want to share, if you have a question or a topic you want to hear more about on this show, don't hesitate to reach out to us at podcast at munchkin.com. And now something all of us can use and certainly deserve a timeout for you. Munchkin loves our planet and cares so much about animals, which is why they partner with IFA, the International Fund for Animal Welfare. We have spent so much time today talking about just how important these animals are in our lives and in our kids' lives, and IFA is a great organization to help this generation fall in love with the amazing biodiversity of our natural world. Find out how you and your family can get involved. By visiting ifaw.org. And now for today's audio moment of calm. We take inspiration from the leatherback sea turtle and its nesting ground, a beach in French Guiana. Enjoy relaxing, and we'll see you next time on Stroller Coaster.